Hello, this is Melanie McMullen and Hannah Hurley, and you're listening to the IoT Integrator Wire brought to you by the Channel Company and sponsored by Intel. This is episode three, Smart City Technology, at work during the pandemic and beyond. Today we welcome Samir Sharma. He's the Global General Manager for Smart Cities and Transportation for the IoT Solutions at Intel Corporation. Welcome, Samir. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and your focus at Intel. Thank you, Melanie and Hannah. Um, hi, everyone. My role at Intel is, uh, as you heard, around smart cities and transportation. Uh, I lead a global team that looks at this market from the perspective of bringing every good asset that Intel is investing in uh, together as a cohesive package, as a cohesive narrative to our partners, uh, to our customers, and the end market. Uh, and that includes things from edge AI to network infrastructure, including 5G, as well as data and the cloud strategy that needs to be put in place to take advantage of all this. So bottom line, we are the team that's thinking about how end-to-end -end solutions uh, for partners, for integrators, for developers uh, are brought to the market in the most easy and frictionless manner. Great, thank you. Um, what do you see, what technologies are becoming sort of the must-have innovations for smart cities and why do you think that is? Great question, Mel. You know, um, cities are complex. Um, if you think about this as a global landscape, you think about the pace of urbanization um, and how many people are already living in these cities and how many millions of people are moving every week to urban areas. Uh, this is a pretty big global trend. And it's always hard to simplify, you know, what is uniquely hyper-customized in terms of needs and solutions for each city into general global themes, but I'll try. There are three big pockets that we consistently hear about in terms of technologies and use cases. The first one is about safety. People want to be safe, people want to feel safe. The second one is around mobility, the ability to get from point A to point B, whether it's public transit, your own car or a ride share. And the third one is sustainability. How do we ensure efficient city services like garbage management or disposal, uh, waste management, flood management, uh, clean air and water. Some of these fundamental services get delivered to the citizens. Now, if I take then these use cases and then translate it back to some of the technologies I was talking about, everything from cameras to smart street lights, to parking meters, to traffic management capabilities, waste collection, digital signage, kiosks, contactless payments, you can imagine a wide variety of technology use cases and implementations that would help enable a city to be truly smart. The final thing I wanna say here is technology is a tool, but that's not the primary uh, target or the end. The objective is better quality of life for the citizens. And so therefore everything we think about in terms of these technology implementations, we start with the citizen in mind and how it would help improve their quality of life once these technology solutions are actually implemented. How is COVID-19 influencing the technology adoption for smart cities? You know, um, our conversation with our partners and cities have completely changed in the last three to four months. Um, the broad buckets that I talked about still apply, but the reality is the conversation has shifted from topics like job creation, economic growth, and enabling urban density to fundamental issues like resilience, uh, keeping the cities running, 
helping take care of people's medical issues. And of course, as a next step, figuring out how do we reopen these cities uh, and get some of the semblance of normality that we used to have before we all uh, started facing this crisis together. So if I can build that to the next level of detail, I think we are seeing a lot of use cases around um, you know, everything from uh, thermal uh, cameras that can help detect if somebody has a fever to helping figure out if a, a crowd in a city uh, is, is following the, so the norms and the guidelines for social distancing to uh, helping contactless payments minimize human interaction and touch to fleets help using robots to provide that end few steps of delivery to a home, a factory, or even an office. And now if I take that inside a large venue, like a stadium, an airport, a subway station, or even a large campus building, everything from access control to ensuring you know, compliance with uh, personal protective equipment like masks, to ensuring social distancing in those, solution, in those situations, all of these use cases are becoming increasingly more important. And the fundamental technologies like AI at the edge, uh, network connectivity, and data analytics are still at the heart of it all. Some of the ideas out there are becoming pretty controversial. How do you see cities balancing the need for social distancing, contact tracing, and surveillance tools with privacy? That is a great question and a very complex question. Um, and what I'm really encouraged by what I see happening in the ecosystem is the active debate around it. Because I think debate informs us and helps us read that, reach that right balance between privacy and safety. Let me first start by saying there is no one size fits all answer to this rather complex question. What, you, what we have is a spectrum of possibilities, partly enabled by technology, but really decided by the unique cultural nuances, policies, demographics, uh, legal frameworks, as well as our, our, our notion of what does privacy mean in different parts of the world? The first recommendation that I have for city stakeholders is make sure that you're separating the conversation around personally identifiable information versus what's anonymized aggregate information. People, when I talk to them, citizens are in favor of using technology to help reopen the cities. They are just concerned that the data being collected should be secured and should not be misused. So for the first step is let's focus on the sort of the easier part of this rather complex issue, which is anonymized data. On the personally identifiable information and for data in general, my second advice to them is make sure you're publishing a clearly laid out and easy to understand statement of intent. What data is, be, is being collected? How will it be used? And how will it not be used? equally importantly, how will it be secured? And we need to write this document, we need to speak to this document in a way that doesn't require lawyers in the room or multiple teams of lawyers to interpret. It has to be easy to understand, easy to assimilate. And that leads me to the third point, which is once we do these two things, what we will find is we will find uh, stakeholders will have buy-in. And the biggest stakeholder in this case would be the citizen in a, in a city because these same people are eager to get back to work, are eager to resume some semblance of this, what we're calling this new normal and get, go about their day, whether it's their kids going to the school 
them going to work, the social interaction they used to have, but they want to do it in a responsible way. And to the extent that technology can enable and inform that responsibility, I think we can all come out winners in this debate. Yeah, those are that's great advice, and I do hope people uh, listen to that. Uh, looking ahead, what kinds of IoT technologies do you think will become more prevalent um, in smart cities and, and will actually make a difference in people's lives as we move further into recovery? I'll share some of the more obvious ones that we are already working with, um, with our partners on. And there are some solutions already out there. In fact, this week, we are also publishing an ebook that covers um, this, this idea of how do you reopen the cities and our transportation networks. Uh, you know, in face of a pandemic like COVID-19. But equally importantly, how do you also prepare for whatever next crisis we may face together? Because the, it's not a question of uh, if we will have a next crisis, including a potential another pandemic. I think it's the question of when. I think it is really important that we use this crisis uh, as a way or as a means or as a trigger to really look hard and say, how do we prepare ourselves better for whatever crisis is coming up next? Uh, so some of the use cases that have already come up are around uh, robotics for deliveries, um, robotics helping sanitize places like airports and subway stations, and even our buses and trains. Uh, telemedicine is already becoming a big reality. Um, one of my peers, David Ryan, who leads the health life sciences business at Intel, uh, made an interesting comment that I would like to share, which is that we've made more progress as an industry in pushing forward telemedicine and the efficiencies and the effectiveness that comes with it than we did in the last 20 years. So that's become a big topic. And I, I can you know, share a personal story. My son faced a medical issue at the peak of shutdown here in the Bay Area. And we, within one hour, we were able to get an appointment with the doctor who looked at it, reassured us that even though it looked worrisome, it wasn't really something to worry about, uh, put us at ease. And in through that entire experience, what I was thinking was when things go back to normal, quote unquote, why wouldn't this be the default standard of care? It is so much more efficient. It is so much better. It is such so much more effective. If you think about the recovery and the reopening uh, through this COVID-19 crisis, uh, we like to think in terms of that citizen-centric view. You know, how will a typical day in your life look like? So you get up and you have the capabilities of everything from virtual fitness class to health wearables that inform you about uh, everything that's going on uh, to possibilities of uh, remote education. As you travel to work, everything from infrared detection of fever um, to contact tracing to aggregate people behavior and crowd analytics to contactless fare collection, to multimodal transport, to disinfecting robotics. All these use cases will enable a relatively friction-free and, and less stress. I can't promise stress-free, but a less stressful commute to wherever you're going to. If you are in a hospital, you'll have you know, technology helping you there. If you're working at an office, these same or similar use cases will be enabled in the context of this, this office space. And as you head back home at the end of the day, everything from you know, chat, you know, chat bots that can help guide your day or your travel back to contactless retail payments, to kiosks informing you, uh, to uh, robotics that help you do your grocery shopping with minimal human touch, 
to potentially food delivery by, by some of these robotics or fleet enabled solutions. And then when you get home, uh, your ability to certainly get together with your loved ones in your home or over video with your family, wherever they are, or friends, wherever they are, socializing with them, your ability to catch up on work, if that's something you choose to do. Um, if there's a need for a telemedicine-based medical consult, that would be available to you. And finally, e-commerce, I think, will pick up in a significant way and capabilities like robotics for warehousing, robotics for fleet, will help enable you know, this process of delivery to you become more efficient. So you can see our hope is while technology cannot promise a return to the old normal, I think it can be one significant tool to help you define this new normal and get uh, comfortable with it, get, you know, reduce your stress and anxiety around all these things that would be changing around us. Yeah, those are some great examples. Well, I really appreciated your time today and uh, thank you for all the great insights. And I know that we'll be talking again soon after we're out of this situation with the pandemic. And this is Melanie McMullen and Hannah Hurley. You've been listening to the IoT Integrator Wire sponsored by Intel. Thanks for listening and stay connected.